This is day 50 of our daily Bible reading plan. We'll be completing chapters 10 through 14 of 1 Samuel. Can you believe it's already been 50 days? It's really hard for me to believe. It feels like it's been flying by. And I hope it's been the same for you in a good way. That we have gone through so much of Scripture and we've been so you know, enveloped with God's Word and just so inspired by it. And it's just so good to be in it every single day. And I hope we continue, continue through the rest of this 315 days we got left. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us this far. Thank you for having mercy and compassion on us and for giving us a desire to be enveloped in your word and to just delve deep into its truth, into your character, that we can be changed by it and we can conform to the image of your Son more closely today. Please guide us as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Then Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it on his head, kissed him, and said, Has not the Lord anointed you a ruler over his inheritance? When you go from me today, then you will find two men close to Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say to you, The donkeys which you went to look for have been found. Now behold, your father has ceased to be concerned about the donkeys and is anxious for you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you will go on further from there, and you will come as far as the oak of Tabor. And there, three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a jug of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from their hand. Afterward, you will come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is. And it shall be as soon as you have come here to the city, that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and a lyre before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily, and you shall prophesy with them, and be changed into another man. It shall be when these signs come to you, do for yourself what the occasion requires, for God is with you. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice peace offerings. You shall wait seven days until I come to you, and show you what you should do. Then it happened when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God changed his heart, and all those signs came about on that day. When they came to the hill there, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him mightily, so that he prophesied among them. It came about when all who knew him previously saw he prophesied now, with the prophets, that the people said to one another, What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A man there said, Now who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. 
Now Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, Where did you go? And he said, To look for the donkeys. When we saw that they could not be found, we went to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, Please tell me what Samuel said to you. So Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But he did not tell him about the matter of the kingdom which Samuel had mentioned. Therefore Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah, and he said to the sons of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought Israel up from Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, and from the power of all the kingdoms which were oppressing you. But you have today rejected your God, who delivers you from all your calamities and all your distresses. Yet you have said, No, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. Thus Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its families, and the Matrite family was chosen. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. But when they looked for him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired further of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? So the Lord said, Behold, he is hiding himself by the baggage. So they ran and took him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? Surely there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people the ordinances of the kingdom, and wrote them in the book, and placed it before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his house. Saul also went to his house at Gibeah, and the valiant men whose hearts God had touched went with him. But certain worthless men said, How can this one deliver us? And they despised him, and did not bring him any present. But he kept silent. Now Nahash the Ammonite came up and besieged Jabesh-Gilead. And all the people of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, I will make it with you on this condition, that I will gouge out the right eye of every one of you. Thus I will make it a reproach on all Israel. The elders at Jabesh said to him, Let us alone for seven days, that we may send messengers throughout the territory of Israel. Then, if there is no one to deliver us, we will come out to you. Then the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, and spoke these words in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen. And he said, What is the matter with the people that they weep? So they related to him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul mightily when he heard those words, and he became very angry. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces, 
and sent them throughout the territory of Israel by the hand of messengers, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out as one man. He numbered them in Bezek, and the sons of Israel were three hundred thousand, and the men of Judah thirty thousand. They said to the messengers who had come, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you will have deliverance. So the messengers went and told the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Then the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may do to us whatever seems good to you. The next morning Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp at the morning watch and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. Those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is he that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men, that they may be put to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished deliverance in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, and let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they also offered sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Then Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have listened to your voice in all that you said to me, and I have appointed a king over you. Now, here is the king walking before you, but I am old and gray, and behold, my sons are with you. And I have walked before you from my youth even to this day. Here I am, bear witness against me before the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, and whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hands have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? I will restore it to you. They said, You have not defrauded us, or oppressed us, or taken anything from any man's hand. He said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have found nothing in my hand. And they said, He is witness. Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. So now take your stand, that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did for you and your fathers. When Jacob went into Egypt, and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God. So he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. 
they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. But now deliver us from the hands of our enemies, and we will serve you. Then the Lord sent Jeroboam and Badan and Jephthah and Samuel, and delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around, so that you lived in security. When you saw that Nahash, the king of the sons of Ammon, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, although the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, whom you have asked for, and behold, the Lord has sent a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him, and listen to his voice, and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. If you will not listen to the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the command of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you, as it was against your fathers. Even now, take your stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest today? I will call to the Lord that he may send thunder and rain. Then you will know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord by asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Then all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, so that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil by asking for ourselves a king. Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. You must not turn aside. For then you would go after futile things, which cannot profit or deliver, because they are futile. For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, both you and your king will be swept away. Saul was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 42 years over Israel. Now Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel, of which 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel, while a 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gibeah of Benjamin. But he sent away the rest of the people, each to his tent. Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. 
all Israel heard the news that Saul had smitten the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel had become odious to the Philistines. The people were then summoned to Saul at Gilgal. Now the Philistines assembled to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people like the sand which is on the seashore in abundance. And they came up and camped in Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were hard-pressed, then the people hid themselves in caves, in thickets, in cliffs, in cellars, and in pits. Also, some of the Hebrews crossed the Jordan into the land of Gad and Gilead. But as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. Now he waited seven days, according to the appointed time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring to me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him and to greet him. But Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the appointed time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. Therefore I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not asked the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, You have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people who were present with him, about six hundred men. Now Saul and his son Jonathan and the people who were present with them were staying in Geba of Benjamin, while the Philistines camped at Michmash. And the raiders came from the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned towards Ophrah, to the land of Shual, and another company turned toward Beth-Horon, and another company turned toward the border which overlooks the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. Now no blacksmith could be found in all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, Otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines, each to sharpen his plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his hoe. The charge was two-thirds of a shekel for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, and the axes, and to fix the hose. So it came about on the day of battle that neither sword nor spear was found in the hands of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, 
but they were found with Saul and his son, Jonathan. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. Now the day came that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, and let us cross over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people who were with him were about six hundred men, and Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the priest of the Lord at Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to cross over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp crag on the one side and a sharp crag on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Seneh. The one crag rose on the north opposite Michmash, and the other on the south opposite Geba. Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, for the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. His armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart, turn yourself, and here I am with you according to your desire. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and reveal ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we shall go up, for the Lord has given them into our hands, and this shall be the sign to us. When both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, the Philistines said, Behold, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. So the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will tell you something. And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet, with his armor-bearer behind him, and they fell before Jonathan. And his armor-bearer put some to death after him. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about twenty men, within about half a furrow in an acre of land. And there was a trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. Even the garrison and the raiders trembled, and the earth quaked so that it became a great trembling. Now Saul's watchmen in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went here and there. Saul said to the people who were with him, Number now, and see who has gone from us. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. Then Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God was at that time with the sons of Israel. While Saul talked to the priest, the commotion in the camp of the Philistines continued and increased. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. 
Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was very great confusion. Now the Hebrews who were with the Philistines previously, who went up with them all around in the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites, who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines had fled, even they also pursued them closely in the battle. So the Lord delivered Israel that day, and the battle spread beyond Beth-Avon. Now the men of Israel were hard-pressed on that day, for Saul had put the people under oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food before evening, and until I have avenged myself of my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. All the people of the land entered the forest, and there was honey on the ground. When the people entered the forest, behold, there was a flow of honey, but no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard when his father put the people under oath. Therefore he put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and dipped it in the honeycomb, and put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes brightened. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly put the people under oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food today. And the people were weary. Then Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. See now how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more if only the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they found. For now the slaughter among the Philistines has not been great. They struck among the Philistines that day from Michmash to Aijalon. And the people were very weary. The people rushed greedily upon the spoil, and took sheep and oxen and calves, and slew them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, saying, Behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, You have acted treacherously. Roll a great stone to me today. Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people, and say to them, Each one of you bring me his ox or his sheep, and slaughter it here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So all the people that night brought each one his ox with him, and slaughtered it there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night, and take spoil among them until the morning light, and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. So the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. Saul inquired of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him on that day. Saul said, Draw near here, all you chiefs of the people, and investigate, and see how this sin has happened today. For as the Lord lives, 
who delivers Israel. Though it is in Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. But not one of the people answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You shall be on one side, and I and Jonathan, my son, will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord, the God of Israel, Give a perfect lot. And Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. Saul said, Cast lots between me and Jonathan, my son. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. So Jonathan told him and said, I indeed tasted a little honey with the end of my staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I must die. Saul said, May God do this to me and more also, for you surely shall die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, Must Jonathan die, who has brought about this great deliverance in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Now when Saul had taken the kingdom over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, the sons of Ammon, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines. And wherever he turned, he inflicted punishment. He acted valiantly and defeated the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan and Ishvi and Malkishua, and the names of his two daughters were these, the name of the firstborn, Merab, and the name of the younger, Michal. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaz, and the name of the captain of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now the war against the Philistines was severe all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any mighty man or any valiant man, he attached him to his staff. 1st king of Israel has officially been crowned. And in a very strange way, too, because he was confirmed properly by the prophet Samuel, as well as by all the people that he was going to meet along the way. And he told him exactly what was going to happen, and obviously it came exactly as it happened. But what's very interesting is that this is a beautiful illustration of what the regeneration of the Holy Spirit looks like. In our case, when we are saved, this is what it looks like for someone to be saved in the Old Testament. Now, let me be clear that Saul probably did not go to heaven after this. And I'll explain that in a, in a bit. Look at what it says here in verse 9. Then it happened when he turned his back to leave Samuel 
God changed his heart. And it says that in verse 10, the Spirit of God came upon him mightily so that he prophesied among them. Now, there was an ongoing joke about him as a proverb, you know, is uh, Saul also among the prophets? Well, but the important thing here to note is that his heart was changed by God. God is the one who governs the heart. He is the one who changes us upon regeneration and washing of the Spirit. It is he that transforms us from being the old creature to the new creature. It is not anything that we are capable of doing ourselves. This is a miracle that happens in our lives. For those people that say, there's no miracles anymore. I have never seen a miracle before. If you are saved, you are a walking miracle. Do you know that? Not only were you fearfully and wonderfully made by God, as all human beings are, but you are a walking miracle because you have been released from the bondage of sin and Satan. And you walk free as bondservants of Christ. That is a miracle. That is not something that can be done in the natural world. It is not something that can be done with human effort or merit. This is strictly from God. It is a miracle that you are saved. Never forget that, and never downplay your salvation or think so little of yourselves. And I'm I'm speaking as one who is constantly hard on themselves. I have to remember many times that God made me the way I am, and I should just rejoice in my salvation. And that's exactly what we see happens to Saul. Now, was Saul perfect after this? No. He did many things right. But he also did a lot of things wrong, nearly from the very beginning. Because what happened here, at, at the, in the middle of chapter 10, they were looking for him in order to crown him king. And where did they find him? They found him hiding among the luggage. That's not a great way to start your kingship there, buddy. Obviously, we can tell from the very beginning that there was something off about Saul. From the moment we met him in chapter 9, we knew there was something about him that was not quite there, something that was not quite godly. But yet, he was chosen, and it was explained why. Because of what Samuel told all the people. Look at what he says. Thus says the Lord. So we know that Samuel's a prophet. But not only that, he describes himself as being the final judge. That he was a judge over Israel. I brought you up from Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, and from all the power of the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But you have today rejected your God, who delivers you from all your calamities and all your distresses. Yet you have said no, but set a king over us. And he's not done with them yet. In chapter 12, we see the reminder and how he feels about the whole situation. But first what he does is he asks a simple question to them. Why do you all want a king? I have been your judge for almost my whole life. And my sons are also 
helping to judge. Now, they may be acting corruptly, but they are still with you. They're, on, they're in your favor. What have I done wrong? What have I done to you that has betrayed your trust? And they said, nothing. Nothing has betrayed our trust. So, Lord is witness, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, no, you didn't do anything wrong, Samuel. So again, it's the same thing that God had already told Samuel, is that, look, Samuel, their problem is not with you. It's with me. They don't want me as their God. So Samuel goes into the details here. The Lord appointed Moses and Aaron to, to shepherd you out of there. But guess what happened? As soon as you came into the promised land, your ancestors forgot about the Lord, and they got sold to all these other places. And every time they cried out, they were rescued. And they committed to serving the Lord. And then the cycle continued. Samuel is explaining the cycle to them as to what has happened up to this point. And he includes himself as the one of the judges that rescued the people of Israel because he is the final judge before we have a king. But after all this cycle of our history, that the Lord is the one to rescue you. You threw in the towel when the Ammonites were threatening you. You were ready to give in to them. What did they ask from you? Yeah, we'll leave you alone, but we want you to take one of your eyes out. All of you. What kind of a sign is that? What kind of a partnership is that? Yeah, we'll make peace with you, but you got to lose one of your eyes, your entire people. Absolutely not. The Lord, your God, has been here this whole time. You don't want God as your king. Even though he is your king, you don't want him as king. So, the Lord says this in verse 13, chapter 12. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen. Makes it very clear the distinction here. It's not God's king, it's their king. This is who you chose, whom you asked for. And behold, the Lord has set this king over you. Now, if you fear the Lord and obey him, he'll let you keep your king. It wasn't written in the law because he knew this was going to happen. But be very clear, same thing as before. If you abandon the Lord, you're, this is not going to go well for you. And he gave them a sign. I'm going to call thunder and rain and... This will show that the Lord is against you if you disobey him. And sure enough, it came, and they all were greatly afraid. And then you see the root of the problem with the Israelite people in verse 19. Then all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. Do you see that? Look at that in comparison to some of the other godly people in the Bible. Oh, Lord, my God, I praise you, my God, versus what the people are doing here. Pray to the Lord, your God, so that he doesn't destroy us. They don't have a personal relationship with him. They have no personal stake in God. And so that is why they don't even take him as their personal God, obviously, because they're worshiping everything else under the sun. Pray to the Lord, your God. That tells you everything about where they stand. 
These people deserved to be abandoned. But why didn't God abandon them? Verse 22, the Lord will not abandon his people. But why? On account of his great name. Not about the people. On his great name. He staked his person on the people of Israel. The Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. He has attached his own name to Israel. So whatever is going to happen to Israel happens to him. And so it's not about Israel anymore. It's about his own name. And he acts on behalf of Israel for his own name. And he will not betray himself. He will not fail on his promises. He will conduct justice and honor as he needs. His righteousness will outshine everything else. And then we see Saul beginning his reign, not in the great way. So Samuel gave him very specific instructions of what to do. And it can be seen here that Saul was getting kind of antsy. He was not wanting to be patient and to trust in the Lord and in Samuel for whatever was said from God. So he took matters into his own hands. He, the people were, the Philistines were coming to fight Israel. They were freaking out, and so a lot of them ran away. But Saul was like, I don't know what to do anymore. So I'm just going to go ahead and sacrifice to the Lord. Maybe I need to do something to spur God into action a little bit. Like I need to give God some sort of motivation to help me. God had already pronounced what he was going to do. And he told Samuel what to tell Saul. And Saul had been told exactly what's going to happen. Wait for Samuel, and then things will go well. But he didn't want to wait for Samuel. He waited the time he thought he needed to wait. So then he took matters into his own hands, and he sacrificed the animals. He can't do that. Because he's not a priest. In this law... The priest does all the sacrifices because you have to be consecrated and everything has to be done in a ritualistic fashion in order for this to be satisfactory to God. And in this case, this was a waste of time. In fact, it demonstrated a lack of trust. It did the exact opposite. So that's why Samuel, as soon as he saw him, he's like, what have you done? You have acted foolishly. And because you think that you can do whatever you want and you have no regard for the Lord, this kingdom's going to be taken from you, buddy. I'm sorry. But it's going to go to somebody whose heart is for God, not who performs lip service to God, someone who is double-minded. And this is exactly what James is talking about in his epistle. The one who asks for wisdom from God but does not trust. He doubts. He's tossed and turned. That person should expect to get nothing from God because they're double-minded, unstable in all his ways. That explains Saul to the T. He is an unstable man in all his ways because his trust is not in the Lord. So God is going to seek out a man who is for the Lord, and he is going to be king. It has already been announced. It didn't seem to affect Saul at all, though, 
because he still kept doing whatever he was going to do. And he made a lot of stupid decisions in chapter 14 with all these weird promises and all these weird vows and vowing to kill his own son, even though his son wasn't even there when he made the vow. What are you doing, Saul? You have no idea what you're doing. Jonathan is the one who trusted the Lord. He went in there and took care of business. The Lord is with him. And you're over here being a coward. And you're over here making these soldiers not eat anything because you've got some sort of grudge with the Philistines. You're affecting people's lives. And that is so sad about sin. Sin is a very personal thing. It is. But what do we see about sin in this context? Sin affects the people around us, too. It can. It really can. And and if that doesn't bother you enough that you are personally sinning against the Lord, just know that your sins have consequences for the people around you, the people you love. Whether in just natural consequences for making really stupid decisions, or the Lord may cause things to happen in your sphere of influence that will be against you. And someone may be chastened or punished on your behalf because of you. That should bother you. Because, like, like for me, I've got my own issues. I have plenty of my own secret sins that I do. The last thing I want is for any of my secret sins to affect my family. But unfortunately, those times that I have sinned, it has affected my family in devastating ways. Some of them I haven't fully recovered from, especially when there's a breach of trust. So certainly we need to be careful to do the things the Lord tells us to do because it's not just about us. It's about honoring his word as well as protecting the people around us from our foolishness. So we're going to see Saul make more bad decisions in the days to come, and we will soon meet his successor, David, the man after God's own heart. So we'll see him starting tomorrow. Until then, I'm Ryan. Thank you for joining us as always. Again, let's celebrate another 50 days. 50 days that we've committed to reading God's Word. We are a seventh of the way there. It may seem like that's a lot more time to go, and it is, but as we take it just a day by day, little by little, we make great progress. And we are blessed by reading God's Word. And I hope you've been changed little a little bit by this. Little by little, He is making us like His Son, Jesus Christ. And we will not know God until we meet Him in His Word. And I love what Jonathan said. He said that the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. It's all in God's hands. So keep that in mind as you walk away from this today. Thank you for listening. Take care and God bless you. We'll see you next time.